You're listening to the CXMH Podcast. CXMH is a podcast at the intersection of faith and mental health. Hey, welcome back to the show. My name is Robert Vore, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Dr. Holly Oxhandler. Holly, how are you today? Hey, Robert. I'm doing better than yesterday. I know we talked a little bit yesterday and I'm feeling like I'm catching my breath a little bit more than the ah, like yeah. end of the semester. <laughs> yeah. Kind of freak out moment, but um but yeah, I'm doing I'm doing pretty good. It's yeah. What about you? How are you doing? Good. Better than when we talked yesterday yes. as well. Yeah. So, uh, I think actually that's a it's funny you mentioned it because I thought earlier I thought, you know, we might as well just kind of lean into that and talk about it because that's right. I have had, you know, people say, "Oh, the show is so legit," you know, things like that, which I think can give kind of <laughs> a um I don't know, this perception that like we are super professional, which obviously oh, we are functioning adults. But that's right. So yesterday we hopped on and I we it was the timing we were trying to figure it out and we hopped on and I wasn't feeling very well and uh, we mm-hmm. had some you know we were trying to kind of squeeze it in and we started recording mm-hmm. and got you know three four minutes into it and I said hey what does your schedule look like tomorrow I don't think That's we should right. keep going it doesn't yep. it's not I'm not there you know and so yeah we only happen. had like that's right. And we only had like 20 minutes to record it. And we thought, mm-hmm. well, we'll just make it super short, which is fine. You know, if they, end, if our episodes ever end up being shorter or longer, like there's grace, but, but there definitely was this like, oh, we just need to, you know, just kind of admit this is not going to work today and that's okay. And let's find another time because yeah. I mean, as, as I was telling you yesterday, you know, this end of the semester, it's, you know, I think this time of year is hard for most everyone um, in a lot of ways, you know, just with transitions and for folks who are in school. But even if you're not in school, you know, there's still something about this time of year that's kind of tricky in navigating between the spring into the summer. And, and for us, you know, or, or for me, like as, as a professor, you know, this is the time of year where we're like wrapping all the things up for the year mm-hmm. and yeah. trying to figure out what we're going to do for the summer. In fact, I just had this afternoon, um, I gathered my faculty together and we spent an hour and a half eating lunch and talking about our writing plans for the summer. And, you know, and just taking that little pause of a moment to think, okay, what what is it that I want to do moving forward? And how much time do I realistically have, you know, over the summer to, to get writing done? And yeah. Anyways, but yeah, it's just it's just a tricky time of year. Graduations and you know Mother's Day, Father's Day, and yeah, just things. So, yeah. Yeah. well, I think it's good to you know because I, I think especially and you and I have actually talked about this before in terms of uh, some things that I'm thinking through and whatnot. But I think it's easy to kind of think, oh, well, everyone all these people that are doing these things that I listen to or I read or I see on TV or whatever it is, you know, they just yeah poof, they do it and they're good. And so, you know, if, if something that I'm trying to do doesn't work immediately or something like that, that that's kind of a, you know, a, an indictment on me as like an individual mm. or, you know, that says, oh, well, I'm not supposed to do this thing. Right. But yeah, um, that's not, that's not true. pretty much anything works. Right. That's I mean, right. Read anything on, you know, writing, it's keep at it or think, you know, and right. it's so easy to think, okay, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to write just as an example, a whole my whole thing and it's going to be a flawless and then I'm going to publish it and whatnot but mm-hmm. you know right. it's fine to say ah, this isn't it's not working today and that doesn't mean that you should give up on the whole thing but some days it's just you say well it's not 
not today. Yeah. Well, and even that, so with the writing piece, we like one of the things that my faculty and I were just talking about was the reality that, um, you know, not just like if you're not feeling it that day, but like when things get rejected or when you, you know, when you put something out there and it just, it doesn't fly, it doesn't, you know, people don't pick it up or go with it or run with it. Um, it was really interesting in this meeting where we were talking about, you know, some of my faculty who've been doing this for decades, they were like, yeah, I still get articles rejected and that happens and it's okay. And, you know, and it was so funny how some of our newer faculty were looking at, you know, some of our faculty who are more experienced are like, really? You get articles that are rejected? And it's like, yes, that happens, you know, but we keep at it. And anyways, all that to say, yeah. like, you know, these these seasons of transition and change and, you know, are, can definitely be tricky. But but I am glad that we did this this afternoon. Like it gave us a chance to just pause and say, okay, I want to kind of have a plan moving forward into the summer that's a realistic, feasible plan and, you know, something that's just doable yeah. rather than being like, oh, I'm going to publish 20 articles this summer. Like that's not going to happen. Right. <laughs> yeah. So anyways. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Well, I, that kind of that discussion rolls actually pretty well into what we're going to talk some about today, which yeah. is something that I'm, I'm passionate about. And I, I think about a lot, which is part of why yesterday, you know, I said, oh, we only have eight minutes left or whatever, you know, like, I don't think we can mm-hmm. do it justice. And, and that is the, this idea of narratives and kind of uh-huh. the, the narratives that we believe about ourselves and the way that we communicate those to others and a whole bunch of kind of tangents off of that idea. So yeah, we can jump into it if, if you're cool with that. Yeah, let's do it. I want to hear first, when you talk about narratives, like explain to us what exactly you mean. Yeah. So when I think about narratives and a lot of this comes from, so I've done a good bit of reading on on narrative therapy, which came largely out of Australia, but I think it's applicable kind of in, in almost every situation, right? And so when I think about narratives, I think about not only kind of the stories that we believe to be true, which is typically what we think of about narratives, but also kind of just truths that we believe, right? So if you think about uh, when, you know, a piece of news comes out or something and you say, oh, well, this side of, if it's political news, you know, the narrative that this side is trying to sell or, or tell is this thing. And, and that's not necessarily always like a, a linear story, but it's, right. you know, what, what are we hoping to believe is true about this or convince you is true about this. And so I think kind of just the the facts or the, the, the truths that we tend to believe about ourselves or about the world or about, uh, you know, kind of the, mm. the rules or the way the world functions or expectations and things like that. So mm-hmm. I, I think that's probably kind of vague, but hopefully as we <laughs> you can yeah. hear it. I'm assuming that you can hear uh, Gray is in the room right next door to me. He's just having a blast. So if you hear some. That's awesome. Yeah, if you hear some noises, that's what that is. But (laughs) I think hopefully as we kind of get into it, that definition will make a little more sense. Yeah. No, that, I mean, that makes sense kind of as is, at least starting us off thinking about the stories that we tell ourselves and, and, and why, you know, why, where the root of that story is coming from or our understanding of a certain thing or something about ourselves or others or, yeah, uh, that's, that's good. I'm excited for this chat. (laughs) Yeah. Well, to start with, I think it's worth giving kind of an easy example, right? Because when we think about what we kind of believe to be true, if we think, I think kind of my standard example is, if I tell you 
or communicate in some way to you, right? Hey, you're a bad driver. Mm. I think that's one that is pretty practical. People can mm-hmm. kind of grasp that, right? Mm-hmm. Then if you say, okay, I, I believe that to be true for some reason, right? So, okay, I, I, because I value your voice or because that's kind of been communicated to me a couple times or things like that, then when you think back on your driving experiences, mm-hmm. you are going to remember, you know, the time that you hit the curb with your tire and the time that you accidentally ran a red light and your speeding ticket, right? You're going to, those things are going to kind of stick out, right? Yeah. Uh, that and it's kind of this yep. noticing of patterns. Like when you, uh, you know, a friend buys a new car and all of a sudden you see that car everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's kind of that, mm-hmm. that phenomenon, right? Where, okay, now I'm noticing those things and that's, I'm like counting those things as being kind of true and proving the story and the 99% of the time that I drove to the store and back with no problems whatsoever, I'm going to mm-hmm. I'm gonna disregard, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. And we see this type of thing, kind of this like confirmation bias play out all over the place. It's why uh-huh. me and someone else, you know, we can watch the same debate on TV and I can come away saying candidate A is great and candidate B is such a liar. What the, the worst? And the other person, mm-hmm. you know, my friend could say, well, hey, candidate A is such a liar. Candidate B is great, right? Because this confirmation bias, you say, okay, the things that I already believe, I'm more likely to kind of notice things that align with that. You know what I mean? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that makes perfect sense. So that's why they kind of matter. But then the, I think the outflow of that, aside from just kind of shaping how you remember things, because I think a lot of us would say, you know, oh, I look back and I see, you know, failure after failure after failure, right? But okay, mm-hmm. well, there's some good things in there too. Uh, so aside from just kind of shaping the way that you view your past, uh, that actually influences kind of how we're moving through the present, right? Right. So if mm-hmm. you say, I look back and I think failure and failure and failure, despite there being some good things in there, then if I say, hey, you should try this new thing, maybe you say, well, no, I'm probably not going to because all I've ever done is fail, right? Things like that. Mm, yeah. There's a really interesting study that in – Thomas Joyner's book, Lonely at the Top, which is about something else entirely. But Oh, yeah. I remember when you were reading that. Was that last summer you were reading it? Yeah, yeah. It was a yeah. – I think so, yeah. Yeah, I remember you showing me snapshots of the, the book. Yeah, yeah. so Anyways. there's a really interesting chunk in there where he describes this study that – and he's, he's kind of making the case for self-validation theory, I think it's called. Anyway, mm. but so there's all these college students, right, and they come in for an interview and they – the people doing the study, they say, okay, there's – three kind of doors here uh, behind door number one there's an interviewer who is largely positive and optimistic and he's going to be really nice about you and then the middle door is someone who he's kind of just neutral or they're kind of just neutral and then door number three is somebody who you know is going to interview and ask really hard questions they're going to be pretty negative about you they're going to focus on negative things and then you get to pick who's going to interview you for this fake job right now there's actually no interview whatsoever but you know the point is okay what do they pick Right. And before they went into that, they did, they measured kind of what they thought about themselves. Mm-hmm. And what they found is the people who, the, the students who said, hey, I have a pretty good view of myself. I feel pretty good and confident. They chose door number one, right? Yeah. So the interviewer who was going to be positive, right? Yeah. And then yeah. people who kind of middle of the road kind of picked the, the middle door. And then people who had a pretty negative view of themselves, when given wow. the choice, they picked door number three. Wow. That so they is said, so I'm going to to be interviewed for a theoretical job. I mm-hmm. want the person who is going to be really hardest. critical and negative. Oh. And when they asked them why, mm-hmm. all the responses, kind of the general theme of responses was we're, we would have more in common. Oh, that's right. So it's a really interesting 
illustration of the way that what we believe about ourselves influences the the choices that we're making. And mm-hmm. maybe they wouldn't tie that to, well, I think I suck and therefore I'm making this choice. But there is, you know, I think that the the way that we kind of understand our place in the world mm-hmm. very much influences how we how we make choices and things like that, right? Oh, that's so interesting. Huh. And so to me when when I'm doing therapy, oftentimes I'm looking for like narratives that keep coming up, right? So themes, things that are are kind of woven through the way that people talk about themselves or their situations or things. And then I can challenge those. Mm-hmm. And then if we can kind of get to, okay, what's the narrative you're believing? Well, challenge, challenge the ones that are challengeable, right? Well, so Cause... I can point out kind of the theme, right? So I can say, okay, this narrative kind of keeps coming up. Mm-hmm. And most people then say, oh, I didn't really kind of notice that. And then the next step is, okay, if we back up and instead of assuming that that is true, can we mm-hmm. evaluate whether you actually think that's true or not? Mm-hmm. So kind of challenging either way, because if you say, okay, I actually do, then okay, we'll roll with that, right? But if you say, actually, no, I don't think it is, I don't know, I've just kind of been believing that, then we can say, okay, so what? what is true, right? Right, yeah, no, that's good. Well, I'll tell you that like the the part of my research being focused on evidence-based practice, this is like making me so happy that you're doing this. I know it's not quite exactly the same, but just the fact that you're introducing these opportunities to evaluate and question and critically appraise those thought patterns or narratives that we have about um, ourselves or that your clients have about themselves. That's that's so good. It's so good that you're doing that. Yeah. And it, 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 it ties a lot with... If people listen to our episode on CBT with Michelle Pierce, right, Dr. Michelle uh-huh. Pierce, it right. ties a lot with that uh, in terms of can we kind of evaluate those statements and those thoughts, right? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the the narratives we believe about ourselves, right? And mm-hmm. then the other aspect is kind of narratives that we, the way I like to think of it is kind of that we understand kind of how the rules of the world, like the things mm-hmm. that we kind of assume, okay, everybody is functioning off this same set of rules. Yeah. So a really silly example is uh, if you grew up and you had meatloaf every Tuesday, right? Mm -hmm. Then (laughs) you move out and you maybe start a family or whatever, and you start to think, okay, but we're like, no, you have meatloaf on Tuesdays. That's that's Mm -hmm. how everything works, right? Uh huh. And then the the outcome of that, I guess, or potential outcomes, right, are either if you don't have meatloaf on Tuesdays, and again, that's a silly example, but then you start to feel like, okay, there's something wrong with me. I'm doing something wrong. Or mm-hmm. if, say, you get married and your wife says, no, I'm, I'm not eating that. That sounds terrible. Then yeah, that would be me. Nope. Then no right. meatloaf. So then there's frustrations <laughs> in terms of, hey, you're not, you're not working off the same rules that I am Right. that I think you should be doing this, right? Mm. Uh, and so that was a silly example. But you know, I, I, look, I listen for, and for listeners, this is probably the practical kind of chunk of this, right, is I listen for statements with should in them, right? Yeah. Statements uh, supposed to, have to, need to, must – yeah. Things like I'm not blank enough, right? So, well, I'm a dad. I'm, I'm you know, so uh, I'm too emotional to be a dad. Okay, well, says mm. says who, right? Yeah. Because you're operating with a set of rules that says, okay, the way the world functions are dads are supposed to be some level of emotional, and I'm violating that rule. Mm. So we say, okay, says who? Where did that come yeah. from? Yeah. And you say, oh, well, maybe, you know, my family either said that or communicated that in another way or something. And then we say, okay, can we step back and evaluate that as a statement? Do you believe that 
you should always have meatloaf on Tuesdays. Do you believe that you're too emotional to be a dad? Right. Things like that. And then mm. you say, actually, you know what? I, I don't believe that. And therefore, actually, I'm doing okay. You know, yeah. this thing that I thought was wrong about me isn't or something like that, you know? Yeah. No, that's good. Well, and I, and and it is practical in the sense that I think we can all adapt some of these, you know, critical reflections or considerations of those, you know, those statements that you mentioned, the must and should and ought and any kind of sense of certainty or, you know, and probably not just the statements, but I would imagine too, maybe how our body responds to some of those, because I know for, I'll speak for myself that, you know, sometimes when I have those statements, it's not only that the thoughts are there. But certainly, you know, there's emotions tied to them. Typically, you know, shame is heavily tied in with a lot of these. Um, And then I know in my body how I will tense up, especially in like my shoulders and the top of my arms and kind of like right in my gut, you know, whenever those statements come up or even in my, my hands, you know, just this sense of tension of like, well, it has to be this way or, you know, it just... And and that I feel like those are all um, as we've talked about little like warning signs or signals you know that start to go off kind of like when a car starts having those little warning lights mm-hmm. go off like yeah. those little physical or physiological responses um, a lot of times they can be the thing that that checks us in terms of those those thought patterns because sometimes we don't recognize that we're having those thought patterns I mean we're probably largely not recognizing it <laughs> otherwise we wouldn't keep we're doing it right? right but um but like just paying attention to those those physiological responses the emotions that are tied um to them um I think are really important too yeah yeah well and I think what's interesting to think about is where where those come from right because right. I think you know, so we've talked before on the show about kind of anxiety rates in young people rising and a variety of factors for that. But I think, you know, for me, one that is very obvious once I kind of step back and look at it is, and I think we talked about this with uh, Dr. Gersovich, mm-hmm. but the increasing academic demands, right? And so, yes. you know, I, I work with young adults and adolescents, right? And so pretty often, you know, those, oh, I'm just really overwhelmed with school and things. And I say, okay, well, what's happening? I say, well, I'm just, I'm frustrated. You know, I, I should be able to get straight A's or whatever it is, right? I, well, I should be mm-hmm. able to take all these AP courses and do this. Like I should be able to do this. And I say, yeah. should based on what? Yeah. Right. Because, right. and pretty often, you know, parents don't say you should be able to get straight A's, right? Like it's, right. it's, it's not always, now maybe somebody did do that. But if it's, you know, hey, the first thing anybody ever asks is, hey, how how are your grades doing? Or, mm-hmm. you know, oh, you know, well, remember, grades are most important, which I, mm. I understand where that comes from. But I think, you know, what is that communicating? That's communicating yeah. a narrative of my value is tied to grades, oh, right? Oh, I got, yeah. I got an 85 and I could tell that my parents were a little disappointed, even though they said, you know, well, as long as you tried your hardest, but really whenever I came home and I didn't get above a 90, they said, oh, what happened, right? So those types of things that we're communicating or being communicated to something that then we internalize, right? And so I say, okay, should be able to get straight A's based on what? And there's always this, it's one of my favorite moments, you know, Mm. either I say that or I say like, says who, right? And there's always this moment of like, oh, you know what? I didn't, I didn't know I was allowed to question that. I I thought that that was kind of how the world worked, right? Yeah. 
I should be more successful, right? So if, if people that are just mm-hmm. out of college, you know, say, oh, I don't know, I just, I should be further along in my career. Say, oh, mm. based on what? What's the criteria? How far yeah. along? I should be more yeah. successful. How successful? Can you, yeah. what would that look like? I don't know, just more. Well, okay, based on what? And if, if the yeah. criteria you're using doesn't work, there isn't one, right? A lot of people say, oh, I'm just not a good enough mom. Oh my gosh. So, what, okay, yeah. what would that look like? Well, I would spend more time with my kids. How much more? Well, I don't know. Okay, so it's this vague criteria that you right. aren't living up to, which if it's a vague criteria, then you can't, you know? That's right. And especially because it's always going to be changing. Because even right. if you make some behavioral adjustments to be able to, let's say, spend more time with your kids or spend more time studying or something, if you are still stuck in the more mode, it is always going to be changing. You will never meet that. And you have to be able to have some checkpoint at which you're like, okay, I've done enough. Like you, it's, it's not just about the more, but it's like the, what is enough? And then identify that, make it clear so that it isn't this never ending chase. Yeah. And And, and that, well, I was going to say, that's the flip side is once you say, okay, we can question this and we realize there's not really a criteria. I say, Okay, what 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 would you say? Given a blank slate, what would you say constitutes a good mom or a good yeah. enough student or whatever, right? And they say, well, yeah. cares about the kids, given you know, spends as much time as they can given their context, you know, and almost always it comes to, oh, okay, I am meeting that, or oh, that's a a manageable thing. I could make one or two changes as opposed to, well, I don't know, I should just be doing more. Right, which yeah, or just paying attention to like what you have been doing and that it is good. Like maybe you don't need to make many changes. Maybe you're like, oh, I've totally neglected the fact that I am doing all these things already, and that's good. And yeah, yeah. And for anybody else, I would I would say no, they're a good mom. But for me, I say, oh well, you know, that kind Mm -hmm. of that kind of thing. Well, and you mentioned, I know you mentioned um, Dr. Gersovich's recent episode with us, but I would also point our listeners back to the episode with Dr. Gary Glass on episode 49, where we talked also about college students mm-hmm. and and some of those um, structures and systems that perpetuate some of this, just some of those narratives that you were talking about. Yeah. Of yeah. the, what everybody, you know, I say everybody, I got air quotes here, but <laughs> you know, what everybody is supposed to do and, right. you know, what it's supposed to look like for everyone. And it's, you know, it, it, the I think the thing that we struggle with so often is that sense of comparison and paying attention more to a standard of expectation that others um, are creating or setting rather than doing, and I know I talk about this a ton on our show or on our, on our episodes, but rather than doing that inner work within and being like, what is a sense of enoughness within me and how do I pay close attention to my inner landscape so that I don't have to be paying attention or hustling or meeting benchmarks or expectations or things that are not mine to meet. Right. And 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 ensuring that we're doing what is truly ours to do um, and what truly is you know, what it is that we're called to do, what it is that we're led to do, or what whatever that language is, but, and not just what it is that we do, but like, what are those benchmarks or what are, I don't want to hate using the word benchmark, but like, yeah. what's, what is it that we need to do and let that be enough? Yeah. Well, and I think that thinking through that, the, the, 
good part of that, or like the, the maybe the most important part of that, is then when those other narratives or pressures or expectations are put on you because you, mm-hmm. you can't say, okay, the whole world's going to align with mine. But if I say, no, listen, yeah. I've, I've stepped back and I've said what I think being a good enough dad or a good enough friend or a good enough employee, whatever, whatever mm-hmm. I've said, based on what I value and what's important to me, here's what mm-hmm. I think matters. Mm-hmm. Then when someone comes to me and says, hey, you really should be working more, or they say, oh, you're taking the weekend off. Mm, okay, cool. You know, then yeah. instead of going, oh no, maybe I am bad. You know, I say, well, that, yeah, those shame that's hooks. your that's yep. your belief of how the world works. But what I believe I'm still doing fine and I'm doing enough. Right. And that's so it right. kind of is a shield against now those things obviously still are, you know, constantly to be navigated because people are going to express their things their disappointment their shame guilt whatever but to be able to say hey that's that's kind of where you're coming from I'm coming from somewhere different and I'm fine with that is you know harder to do but that's you know kind of the goal is I believe that I'm doing fine and I don't you know whatever you think is what you think yeah and I think the word that I mean I know we talked about the beginning of the year that like I shared my word of the year for for this year is grounded. And, and this is very much tying in with that in the sense that I need to be deeply grounded in understanding, knowing, and deeply being comfortable with who I am and the expectations I have for myself rather than, you know, worrying about what others are going to expect of me. And, you know, so that someone can say, oh gosh, you know, you're with your kids all weekend. Oh, shouldn't you be in working? And thankfully, I don't have colleagues who say that. I mean, <laughs> I'm very grateful for that. But I have had seasons where that has been the story where I've had colleagues who have, you know, kind of been like, oh, you actually rested this weekend. And, you know, but learning how to pay close attention, you know, to these narratives as you're talking about, understanding where they're coming from is important, but also making sure that we are very clear on what it is that, that we need for ourselves, that we just what it is that, that we need for ourselves and getting very clear on our own, as I mentioned, inner landscape so that we're able to meet those needs and not get so easily hooked. Because I know some of what you were just saying, like those are easy shame hooks that any of us can get stuck onto where it's like, oh, well, you think that I should be doing this? Well, let me do that so that you don't yeah, reject yeah. me, right? Oh, you think I should be doing that? Well, let me go do that so that you don't reject me or so you think highly of me. But but man, if I'm doing that all the time, doing that dance, I'm going to be so disintegrated mm-hmm. by being split up in all of those different directions that that is just a recipe for disaster. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think part of that, you know, once we get to, okay, here's kind of what I I think are the true narratives about, right? Part, mm -hmm. I think, you know, part of, and again, this is all like a, a, probably a very long process that is constantly being navigated, but I think choosing the people that we kind of let their voice have a a large influence or not even their voice, but I'm, you know, I'm using voice in a vague term there, you know, because if you say, well, I'm in you know, what I really believe is I'm important and I matter, but every, all my five closest friends, every time we hang out, they're late and they don't care and they don't pay attention. And, you know, every time I try to talk, they talk over me, then, you know, kind of what they're communicating, what I'm getting from that, if I really pause and think about it, is that I don't really matter. My time isn't important. Our time isn't important, right? I'm not valued. So maybe you evaluate that and say, you know, either I can have a conversation with them or, 
I need to maybe step out of that and make sure that the people who I am saying, hey, your actions and your words, I'm like really lending credence to those are people yeah. who are reinforcing the things. So in this example, you know, if you said, well, what I believe to be true is I work 40 hours a week and that's enough. And then I, I really, it's important to me to spend time with my kids. If you were yeah. in a workplace where everyone else there, you know, was kind of given side looks when you left and said, oh, well, I worked all weekend and uh, well, yeah. you know, then maybe that's something to evaluate. Hey, is this a good environment for me? Are there ways I can kind of push back against that? Because if you are navigating that constantly, 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 I think that gets yeah. really hard. You know, it's exhausting. It does. It does. But I think that at the same time, I think that the only way that a lot of these different settings are going to change, and I don't mean to go like off on a tangent with this, but I do think that the only way that some of these settings will change or these narratives are going to change is with a sense of of courage and bravery. And for folks to say, hey, you know what? I hear that this is what y'all are doing, or this is the you know, this is, this is how you're spending your time. This is not how I'm going to spend my time. Yeah. And I, and, and I am, I'm not going to do that. And I'm not going to continue to, to amplify that. I know, I think it was Brene's, I know we talk about her like every other episode, <laughs> y'all, sorry. Um, But I think it was in Braving the Wilderness when I read that book that she does talk about this in that book um, in the sense that it really, like this sense of courage is contagious. And the only way in which you know, workplace environments or communities or church communities or, you know, families or just different systems or groups are going to change some of these systemic narratives is by someone saying no more, like, I'm not going to abide by that. And they may not, they may not continue on in that space. They may, you know, it may be the most healthy thing for them to say, I can't be here anymore. I have to step out. I have to go somewhere else or work somewhere else or whatever. And you have to take care of you. But at the same time, I also want to call out that sense of courage for the, you know, the, the working mom who's out there and says, I'm, I'm only going to work 40 hours a week and then I'm spending the rest of time with my kids. And even if y'all are going to work 70 hours, like that's your choice, but we're paid for 40 and, and that's what I'm going to do. And I don't know. And I know that there are layers of privilege that are wrapped up in that too and layers of you well know, narratives and you know fears and a lot of that needs careful and special attention you know as you lean into that but yeah. i just think that kind of finding ways to courageously push against some of those narratives is yeah. important yeah so. no no you're absolutely right and I know that you're going to say, I didn't, but uh, I wasn't meaning like always leave those, you know, I think there's obviously, as you mentioned, a lot of ways to kind of think about, okay, what are the, my various options here? Is this a situation where it's Mm -hmm. healthy for me to say, hey, I'm kind of taking this stand and will there be maybe somebody else who kind of backs that up? Or, you know, I think there's obviously, you know, a million factors in in sorting through that, but. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I know. And I mean, for any of our listeners who you know, understand academia and who, under, I mean, who know the tenure track process, like it's a really interesting process and it is one that it's really hard to, to kind of push against, but, but that's just my experience. But I know yeah. that some of those, some settings, it's hard to do it and others it's not, but either way, I think finding ways, even just little, an inch at a time yeah, pushing against is helpful. Yeah. So, well, I think another aspect we talked some about in our mentoring and and leading and empowering others episode that has to do with 
and even, you know, parenting obviously comes into this pretty strongly, but what are, what are the narratives that we are communicating to others? Oh my gosh. Especially yes. when yes. we say one thing, you know, I think it was in yes. Hillary McBride's book a while back where she talked about, obviously we all kind of say, Hey, looks don't matter. That's not the most important thing. But every time, you know, she met a little girl or something, she, Oh, you're so cute. Right. That was the first thing. Oh, yeah. you're so pretty. Oh, I like your dress. Right. So there is yeah. a sense in which kind of communicating, okay, the first thing to be noticed, the, the thing to be complimented the most is physical looks or mm-hmm. even, you know, a, a lot of my clients who are, you know, in high school or in college, right. I'll say, how was your week? And they say, Oh, well, I had this test. And like, everything is very, school focused and the results of the, oh, I, I got an A on this and I got, I say, okay, but how was your week? Right? Like yeah. how was yeah. your week? And yeah. it throws them off, you know? And, and if the first thing, every time you see your niece or your nephew, you know, I think, and I'm not, you know, these aren't like guilt things. I'm, I'm just saying right. to think through them. But if the first time you see your kids or your niece or your nephew or your neighbor's kid or whatever, oh, Hey, how, how are your grades? Okay. You're, yeah. there's something being communicated that, Hey, first thing, I want to know that. And then we'll go from there, you know? Like that's the most important thing to start with. Right, That's the most valuable. Ugh, yeah. But it's hard because we all do it to some degree. It takes a lot of awareness and practice to realize and wake up to. Absolutely. Oh, wait a minute. Like, yeah. Yeah, which is why, you know, there's not – that wasn't – that wasn't coming with like guilt and shame. Like, oh, you're doing this because we all are products of kind of our environment. And so to say, hey, I recognize this and I'm going to really be intentional about changing the way that I interact and the way that I communicate things, you know, is that takes a whole lot of effort, you know? Yeah. Well, and not just asking the questions or making the initial comments to others, but like if I were to ask you, you know, or well, it's just like you were saying, like if you were to ask, you know, one of your clients, like how was your week and all they talk about is, you know, school. I mean, many times I know when I talk with friends, you know, how was your week? You know, I'll ask them and, and a lot of it is focused on their job or, you know, what big thing is happening. And, or even if I just ask them, how are you? You know, I could ask someone, how are you doing? Not even asking about their week, just how are you? And it still goes back to things that have nothing to do with them mm. specifically and yeah. who they are, but it's a, but they respond with what they, they do. Yeah. Yeah. And particularly so. if it's results focused, you know, if I say, how was your week? Yes. And they say, well, I got this account and this whatever and this bonus. Well, that's not about you right if 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 right. the response is well work has been really hard and i'm pretty stressed i think that's kind of that's right. within bounds yeah. but if it's all results right. which is typically the the answers i get from my school age clients are about kind of the results of tests the results of i got i got an an a on this paper or whatever right which mm-hmm. if they said well i have this paper coming up and i'm upset about it or i'm stressed then that's kind of more okay that's about you but if it's all results focused and I say, oh, cool. That's what I was looking for. Well, yeah. okay. Then that's, again, kind of what I'm reinforcing is that's what I'm looking for, you know? Yeah. No, that makes perfect sense. Yep. Oh, so many opportunities for growth, huh? Yeah. I mean, it's so <laughs> yeah. even as, hard. and I'm sure, I'm sure y'all kind of do the same thing, but, you know, Brooke and I are pretty constantly having conversations about the way that we interact with Gray or the way we interact with each other around Gray or ourselves around Gray, you know, oh, I messed up. Gosh, that's, I'm so dumb. Or I should have done that better. Mm -hmm. Well, okay. What is that? Maybe there's things being communicated about the individual, how I view myself and things that, you know, so. Right. No, I love it. So hard. It is. I love that you linked that back though to, to the mentoring episode. Like you're right. I mean, the, I mean, the folks, 
those who are around us, especially those who are in a position of learning from us, um, whether it's our, our kids or students that we have or mentees or colleagues or whatever, whatever it is, you know, they are paying attention to, to those things. And, and we're teaching them in the same way that I shared in that episode about how much I learned from my mom just by, mm-hmm. you know, being in the car with her and like conversations we would have or thing, you know, the type of music she would listen to in the car and like how that was formative for me. And, you know, just, yeah, they're always learning. So I think that's wonderful that you and Brooke are, are doing that and being mindful of that, especially around gray. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I, mean, I think there's, good. there's very little, if anything that I've experienced yet that has more clearly kind of demonstrated oh, here's how I'm moving through the world kind of unconsciously uh-huh. than having a child. Because all of a sudden I, I think, know. oh, is this what I want to be demonstrating to him on how the world works? Or, you know, because yeah, know. theoretically I would say, no, that's not, you shouldn't always be working. You should have some fun. But okay, well, if I look at it, am I always working? Am I having fun? Well, I that know. outweighs what I say by a, a pretty good chunk. So I don't know, I know. that kind of... They're kind of a, they're, I know, I, I feel like Callie and Oliver, the both of them are like a little mirror up to me. And, you know, all the things that the little, the little characteristics and traits that they're picking up from me, or, you know, I'll catch myself in times where I'll tell them like, oh, don't do that. And then shortly thereafter, like I'm doing it and I'm like, oh man. And, and I have to extend grace because if I got, you know, super upset about it every single time I, you know, drive myself bonkers. No, absolutely. Um, but yeah, paying attention to that is really important and just trying to do the best I can with what I have each day. Yeah. Right. Knowing that you can always try better tomorrow and, and hopefully our listeners are able to tell that to themselves too. Um, and their loved ones and yeah, we're just doing the best we can. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, hopefully that's somewhat encouraging to people, you know, to, or even maybe just kind of a peel a layer back there of saying, oh, I do notice I say should a lot or, oh, I'm constantly kind of measuring up to good enough, but there's no, there isn't, that doesn't exist, right? Or things like that, even Mm -hmm. in terms of, I think kind of noticing those things is always an interesting kind of first step of saying, oh, you know what I am, I do, every time I sit down, I think I should be doing something. Maybe mm. maybe I'm not valuing rest, even if I say self-care is important. You know, that's one that yeah. that I struggle with is, you know, we come on the show and we say self-care is important. Make sure you rest. But then if I go sit yeah. down to watch TV, I think oh, I should be doing something. Well, OK, then really, what am I? You know, so even just being aware of that is some interesting to say, oh, oh. Interesting, you know, like yep. just kind yep. of noticing and then that non judgmental self observation, right? Right, right yeah, because then the goal yeah. isn't, well, I was wrong for thinking that it's, oh, okay, now right. that I'm aware of that, is there, do I think that's true? Do I, do I think maybe something else? Is there a, a better place to start, you know, non judgmentally, like yeah. you said? Yeah. Hmm. And if you want to grow in your ability to practice that non-judgmental self-observation, we can go back to the episode with Felina talking about centering prayer. I feel like we're just doing a big recap of this whole year with episodes. <laughs> but uh, was it 56 and 51 we talked with her about centering prayer? And um, You must have the, the page pulled up. 
I do. I was say, yeah, if, you, I do. if you're just rattling those off memorized, that's amazing. Oh no, <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I promise, I'm not. I'm not that smart, friend. I'm really not. But no, those are the episodes that that I would recommend folks kind of going back to and and learning about centering prayer. And oh, can I do a little shout out though to one of the. Someone out in Waco, maybe I did mention this in one of the episodes, but we have a friend out here in Waco who is right now heading out to the Camino de Santiago because of listening to that episode with Felina. Oh, cool. Did you? Did I tell you about no, that? No, you didn't. Oh, I didn't? So he heard that episode with Felina and he got her book and he is now, I mean, I think he's leaving... I think he left yesterday, actually, to fly out to Spain to go walk the Camino. Wow. Isn't that awesome? That's amazing. It just blows my mind. Gosh. I mean, it just I, – yeah. So anyways, so it's a really good episode for those who haven't <laughs> listened to it. Hope, you know, you might end up in Spain in a couple of weeks if you do. So <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So yeah. anyways. Well, cool. Hey, if you want to connect with Holly on social media, you can find her on Twitter at Holly Oxhandler if, or on her website. Sorry, I almost skipped that part at yeah, hollyoxhandler.com. If you want to connect with me, you can find me on any social media at Robert Vohr or on my website at robert-vohr.com. You can connect with CXMH all over the place at CXMH Podcast. All that is in the show notes. And I want to give a shout out. We've had a couple people leave us reviews recently some five stars so you know oh, I know, I know awesome. a couple of shows that if you leave a five-star review they'll like read it aloud no matter what it says I don't oh I'm that's like, so cool you know, maybe that gets, I don't know I think maybe that'd be fun so hey if you want to yeah. if you like the show go leave us a five-star review potentially we'll read it we'll start reading five-star reviews yeah that would be fun and you know what if you like the show if you think it's good or fun or informative uh, pull out your phone and send your favorite episode to two three friends uh, that's always the you know the most helpful is helping other people hear about it and and sharing yeah. things that you think are are good. That goes all around. Any content that you see anywhere that you think is good, you should share it. I wholly agree. I think that that is super important. I mean, and and it has blown my mind how some of the some of the episodes have impacted folks. Like it's been so fun this last year just hearing about you know some of these different ways in which folks have you know, who hadn't heard of us before are now listening to it and what it's doing. I mean, like I said, Tim is out in Spain right now because of an episode. That's amazing. But if you also are interested, we would we definitely want to thank those who are supporting the podcast financially through giving. Um, we have a Patreon page and there's a few other ways to support the podcast. Please check those out um, on our website. But, but know that those are so, so helpful um, because you know there's a lot of behind the scenes and um, equipment and things that go into this. And we are grateful for those who are partnering alongside us to help support the podcast. Yeah. So. Well, yeah. hey, I'm appreciative of you taking some time to chat with me today. Oh, Robert, I'm appreciative of you mm -hmm. every week. I love these chats. It's so fun to get to to talk with you about stuff that I know you and I both care very much about. So Absolutely. Well, listeners, I hope you have a great rest of your week whenever you listen to this. And Holly, I hope you have a great rest of the day and the week to come. Oh, thank you. You too, friend. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to the CXMH Podcast. 
Want to score some major brownie points? Leave us five stars and an honest review on iTunes. Follow us on social media at CXMH Podcast and email us with questions, comments, and interview requests at CXMHpodcast at gmail.com. A final note. If you're in a dark place today, struggling with suicidal thoughts, you are not alone. Professional help is available 24-7 at 1-800-273-8255.